Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Taylor, and Versa with here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Corinne, Billy, how are we doing? Doing great, doing great. How are you guys today? Absolutely great. Everybody's great. It must be a, a wonderfully productive Monday morning here, November 22nd. Hard to believe we're almost to the end of November already. Corinne, it blows my mind. I, I cannot believe I can't believe December is next week. So it's it's <laughs> don't blink. Whatever you do, don't blink. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Well, hey, uh, it wouldn't be a Monday without Murphy's Law checking in to see how we're doing. And we just did uh, fix and solve a challenge right in the nick of time, didn't we, we Corinne? We did indeed. <laughs> well, great to have you, Corinne Bursa, of course, uh, host of our Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain uh, podcast, along with Billy Taylor, the one and only, who is launching a new podcast uh, with us here, The Winning Link. Billy, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing outstanding. Outstanding. So, Best day ever. <laughs> Best day ever. Oh, yes. we're going to have to learn a lot more about uh, what's going into your day already. Now, Billy, we do understand uh, over the weekend, you were able to kind of recharge your batteries a little bit, right? Absolutely. Got a chance to rest and family and friends. and It was great. Great weekend. Hanging with my son. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, folks, uh, buckle up. Today is the Supply Chain Buzz, where we share some of the leading stories across global business. So get ready. And hey, we want to hear from you. So uh, we're going to be walking through. we got a we got a full plate here today, a full Thanksgiving plate here today. We're walking through five stories. But uh, you're going to get my take, Corinne's take, and Billy's take. But we want to get your take, too. So join us in the comments and let us know what you're thinking. Um, Corinne and Billy, before we say hello to a few folks, let's uh, let's share information on an upcoming webinar, Corinne, that you and I are uh, teaming up on, let's see, December 9th. It's just around the corner, right? Just around the corner. And it's shaping up to be a really interesting session on accelerating innovation through collaboration. Um, I know you know this, Scott, but we've had a number of different executives and thought leaders with TransPlace here on Supply Chain Now over the last six or eight months everyone from the CEO through to several of their senior vice presidents. I'm really looking forward to, um, to meeting Michelle McBride. I haven't met her yet. And to hear about some of the things that she's leading in the organization, because she's the director, one of their directors of product. So she's on the front line, innovation, driving new capabilities, and obviously a keen focus on collaboration here. Yeah, uh, I look forward to it as well. We have we've had a parade of freight and supply chain leadership from our friends at Transplace. I'm looking forward to this next one on December 9th. And Billy, hey, we're innovation and collaboration, the intersection of innovation and collaboration. Big gains are made, right? That's right. That's where, as we said in the entire business, the rubber meets the road, right? That's <laughs> that's when change happens, and and that's when businesses actually start to thrive, right? New ways of doing business because businesses are always evolving and you have to stay on top of that. Yep. Well said. And hey, our listeners may remember, uh, you know, Corinne, 
you and I are old timers here at Supply Chain Now, but Billy's one of our newest uh, hosts. Billy spent a lot of time leading manufacturing for a good year, which is where he knows lots about the tire business. Uh, and one of my favorite phrases, round and black and out the back. I, I got that right, Billy. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. <laughs> that means a good day if that's taking place. All right. That's right. How the customer wants it when they want it. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Hey, folks, join us on uh, the 9th of December for this great session with TransPlace, uh, where we're going to be talking a lot more about the intersection of innovation and collaboration and what that means in real practical terms. Yep. Okay. So we've got no shortage of stories to get to here today. We also... Um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit on the front end, folks, about Thanksgiving and thanks and food. You know, Corinne and Billy, we <laughs> love our food around here, right? <laughs> so, we definitely yes. like to talk about our food. That's for sure. So, <laughs> sure do. Yeah, that's kind of a loaded question, Scott. You know, my wife said I'm twice the man she married, and it's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we're going to have lots of fun here today. And by the way, folks. Uh, we do love food so much, we created a Facebook group called Supply Chain Chow, and we rolled out a little contest over the weekend. You know, oh. this is our favorite holiday here in the Luton household, and uh, we want to celebrate it by getting folks to share uh, their store, their uh, dishes, various dishes related to Thanksgiving, and most importantly, where the recipe came from, right? So I think we're giving away a big gift card uh, on, on, based on the winning submittal over the next week. So stay tuned for that. So hey, wait, uh, Scott, can I give one yeah. caveat? So don't Please. go to that Facebook group if you're hungry. Because <laughs> you will need a snack immediately when you see some of the pictures and descriptions there. So I'm not a foodie, but even when I visit that that page, that group, it makes me hungry. It makes me want to oh. be a makes me want to be a foodie. <laughs> I'm with you. And it does make us hungry. And, uh, you know, we've stolen some great recipes from these submittals. Uh, so thanks for sharing and thanks for your uh, your endorsement, uh, Corinne. Um, really quick, let's say hello to a few folks before we we uh, get Billy and Corinne to share about their favorite Thanksgiving dish and who makes it. Uh, Michael Aver is back with us. He's one of our longest running commenters and participants uh, in the Skyboxes. Michael, hope this finds you well. And, yes, we're still celebrating the uh, Atlanta Braves winning the World Series, which we never saw coming. Uh, but hey, this is the era of uh, of curveballs and uh, surprises uh, oh. in business and elsewhere, right? <laughs> yes. uh, Gene Pledger from North Alabama is with us here. And Gene, I think I owe you a LinkedIn message. Hope this finds you well. Michael and Gene, uh, I'm going to be asking Corinne and Billy uh, their favorite Thanksgiving dish and who makes it. I'd love to get y'all's in the comments and, and welcome everybody else. We're going to dive in because we've got a lot of news to tackle here today. So, but really fun, quick question on the front end. And Billy, I'm going to start with you. I'd love for you to share, you know, Thanksgiving is just around the corner. As I mentioned, it's one of our favorite holidays. It's food, camaraderie, no need to get gifts, you know, um, and, and it's all about being grateful. Um, so, Billy, share with us your favorite Thanksgiving dish and who makes it. My favorite dish is mom's sweet potato pie. Mm. I mean, it is, uh, it's love built into the recipe, it seems, <laughs> you know, and I, I just hover that thing, and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it, I think it's uh, uh, the reflection of the, of what I grew up with, with my mom, but that pie is the best. Love it. I love it. Now, 
Billy, when you do something like that, it makes me question if anyone else is able to get a slice. <laughs> Not of my pie, right? <laughs> Mom, I want my pie. I <laughs> uh, love it. I love it. Uh, Natalie, hey, welcome in. Thanks for joining. She's tuned in from North Carolina. Uh, great to have you back, Natalie. Her favorite dish is the mashed potatoes. That's a really good one. Um, okay, Corinne, you got to give us the goods. What's your favorite dish and who makes it? Um, so I do like the classic <clears throat> green bean casserole. It's really good with the onions on top and make it a little yep. spicy. So it's got a kick to it. And I, I do like this sweet potato casserole or sweet potato pie sliced <laughs> next to it as well. Yeah, all of that's good. Who, who makes the green bean casserole for y'all's household, Corinne? Well, um, I make it, but it was my grandmother's recipe. So oh, awesome. And where, where'd your grand, where, where'd your grandmother grow up? Um, she grew up in, um, the Midwest, but, um, spent, you know, half her life in South Florida. Okay. So I'm not sure Very- where it was influenced from, but it was definitely <laughs> perfected over the years. I love it. I love it. Uh, thanks for sharing. We'll, we'll, we'll be looking for pictures of that green bean casserole, Corinne and the sweet potato pie, Billy Taylor. Uh, Michael Avera says we eat homemade Italian family style meal. Mm. So it's probably homemade gnocchi or hand-rolled ravioli. How about that? Mm. Um, that's a really cool Thanksgiving tradition, isn't it? Gene uh, Pledger says, my aunt's ambrosia, a very simple dish, but its history and memories are dear. Man, paint a great picture there, Gene and Michael. And again, we challenge y'all both to submit uh, to our supply chain chow uh, contest and uh, vie for the prize. Good stuff. Um, I got to add mine. So uh, there's about 200 of my favorites and my wife, my, <laughs> my dear wife, Amanda makes a hundred and at least 90 of them. I mean, let me say that really clear. She's a great cook. Um, but you know, growing up, like if I think traditionally my aunt Linda who lives in Aiken, South Carolina, uh, ha- makes the strongest Mac and cheese uh, and was well known for it. And it, it was a bit unique. Um, and I'm not even sure what goes into it all, but gosh, uh, it, it's made in a big casserole dish, and I had to be careful not to take too many scoops out of it on the first pass <laughs> to make sure everybody could get some. So, Aunt Linda, love that, and hope we can um, enjoy some of that later this week. So, Scott and Billy, are you turkey or ham for Thanksgiving? Billy? Turkey for me. Turkey. My wife makes a, I mean, a mean turkey dish. <laughs> so, we do both. Uh, if we're home, it's, it's you. Well, I think we do both even for home, but my dad makes fried turkeys mm. and he's got this process set up uh, Bill and Corinne. He's, he basically has a factory in his garage. He does them for some of his neighbors. Oh, I mean, wow. he just, he's got it fine tuned. And I'll tell you, um, there's not much better than fried turkey that just got out of the fryer and it's cut up and still hot and, and uh, tasty when you hit it, when it hits your plate. So, Hey, we're all hungry. Aren't we ready to go? <laughs> <We're> ready. <laughs> all right. So folks, again, uh, thanks for joining us here today. Hey, Sylvia is with us tuned in, but says she's buzzing in for a few, uh, there from Charleston, the Holy city. Great to see you here today, Sylvia. All right. Are we ready to get to work? Billy and Corinne? Yes. All right. So let's do that. Let me see if I can pull up my graphics here. So I want to talk about, uh, here on the Supply Chain Buzz, we're going to talk about Starbucks first, right? Be this article from our friends over at Supply Chain Dive. Now, Billy, Corinne, I've got some good news. It looks like there won't be any breakdown of the caffeine supply chain this holiday season. Because other than perhaps wine, we got to keep the caffeine supply chain going, right? 
Um, so Starbucks feels really confident with their inventory levels where they are, at least right now, to really meet demand, especially perhaps the increased demand that they have over the holiday season. So get this. They've added new suppliers. They've increased production of things like oat milk, breakfast sandwiches. Get this. Egg bites. I've never had an egg bite. We'll have to see what those are and other things. And in an interesting move, Starbucks is taking steps to ensure its suppliers have full staffing, right? So they can get around the workforce issues that so many companies are, are facing with because they're, uh, they're doing that by investing, it, it appears, in their suppliers' workforce wages. So maybe they're complementing uh, current levels of compensation. So, hey, that represents to me uh, a progressive, you know, forward-thinking, next-generation supply chain, upstream and downstream. But what's your take? Corinne, I'll start with you. Well, first of all, I think this is a great example of extending your product portfolio. So you'll notice in in the article, they're not really talking about the caffeine or the coffee supply. They're talking about all of these awesome sides that they have to go with their coffee. So extended um, product portfolio for them. I applaud the fact that they're working with their suppliers and bringing on new suppliers, right? So we need that supplier liquidity that can help us to scale when needed and to pull back when when needed as well. So um, I think it's a great story around the visibility, um, leveraging trading partners in your network. But keep in mind that um, Starbucks, as, as many, many others are facing as well, is looking at commodity price increases, you know, s- somewhere in the range of about four or five percent, um, yep. and, and then has all the same struggles that every other retailer has or every other restaurant has right now with transportation and staffing, et cetera. So I love the fact that they are getting their arms around the pieces that they can control and influence. It's it's a great message. Excellent point, Corinne. And by the way, you you made me think of it. Um, I have popped into a Starbucks a couple of times over the last couple of years and they don't have, they had this ham, egg and cheese breakfast sandwich. Mm -hmm. And there's been, there's been several times where they haven't had that on hand. So Billy, maybe they're, they're ensuring that those lost sales don't happen this year. That's correct. You know, when I look at business itself, when I was in Goodyear running in North America, we talked about three things, right? Create, capture, and fulfill demand. And so you have to be very creative when you go into those three buckets. And most companies are very good at creating demand, right? You do your marketing and Starbucks has done well and they have to sort of capture it. But what they're doing now is focusing on the fulfillment of it. Right, and so they're going out there, and they're they're really focusing not only on uh, the the actual supplier, but relationships. They're building new relationships, and if you look at business today, the landscape of business, the smaller guys are winning now. The mm-hmm. smaller they're building those relationships that are now they can go tap into right for for different supply. Right, I remember a salesperson saying I was in a meeting. If you want reliable from a customer, go buy a dog. Well, no, it's not that way today, <laughs> right? It's reli- now that 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 type of loyalty is built in relationships now, and Starbucks is doing that. They're going out and making these new relationships, new sources, and so that's where they're changing the game. I love that. Uh, they're certainly um, um, jumping in, and, and whatever they can control. They're 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 taking that to the next level, right? They're they're finding new ways, innovative ways of making sure they can give the customer what they want, right? They're thinking differently about this new reality, which we're going to touch on later in today's show. Um, okay, Mohib's with us here today. 
we're, I think we're going to get hungry throughout the show, so y'all bear with us. He says his all-time favorite food is Kansas City burnt in barbecue, burnt in, burnt ends, I believe. Billy, you right. can let us know about that, right? Hey, I used to live in Topeka, Kansas, Gates <laughs> Barbecue. I've, I've been to a mall. I, I agree. <laughs> I love it. And of course, Mohib is there in Wichita, Kansas, the uh, air capital of the world. So great to have you here with us, Mohib. Um, Curtis has a great question, uh, comment here. Adequate staffing will be a key vendor assessment, not only for existing vendors, but for any new vendors being assessed. Excellent point. Uh, and Michael's talking about the bullwhip effect we've, we've heard about for years uh, or, or a lot more in the last couple of years. He says, reduce the bullwhip effect by maintaining constant contact with suppliers. Corinne, you're really nodding your head. That yeah. resonates with you? Well, absolutely. Um, but I see that the industry as a whole is really going to have um, a, a hyper bullwhip potential, right? As we've looked at decreased demand for periods of time, then increased demand. And then right now, we've still got goods that are stuck off, you know, offshore from our ports. So we're going to see an influx of product at some point in time. And dealing with all of this variability is going to be well outside normal variations in both supply and demand. So everybody needs to take an extra uh, an extra detailed look at uh, at what they're forecasting, but also the um, the supply and sourcing orders that they uh, put into place. Well said. Well said. Okay. So we got to move from Starbucks to I want to talk about some of the manufacturing shifts that are taking place due to supply chain snarls. I don't have my graphic oh. this time. Uh, last time we tackled supply chain snarls, <laughs> we had an image of uh, three animals giving us their best snarl <laughs> impression. We don't have that this time. Um, so according to Reuters, the Delta variant resurgence, shipping issues, and a lot more are leading apparel companies to shift production out of Asia and into markets such as Turkey, Morocco, Portugal, Bulgaria, Brazil, and Mexico, just to name a few. Examples include the Spanish retailer Mango, which is focused on localization efforts to bring production closer to its, to its customers. Now, Amanda, no word if the company has any relation to the Mango on Saturday Night Live, as portrayed by Chris Kattan, but we'll save that for a later episode. Um, U.S.-based shoe company Steve Madden is another example, which is shifting uh, some of its production from Vietnam and China to Brazil and Mexico and Crocs. And a lot of folks love the, the rubberized Crocs shoes, especially chefs. Uh, well, they're shifting production to countries like Indonesia and Bosnia. So, Billy, I want to start with you here. Your take around some of these uh, sourcing and, and production shifts. I think the shift, uh, the, the industry itself, the current conditions are forcing this. And it, the world is moving from a globalization to globalization. Right. And they're getting the closer they're moving their manufacturers closer to themselves uh, from a reliability perspective uh, so that they know that uh, they have confidence that they're going to get the product. In cases where you're looking at these industries where they're moving them to Turkey, where primarily you look at a shoe industry, Vietnam and China, they were the primary sources of those shoes. But with the with the Delta variant, they're shedding their plants now. And so. Even if you if it costs more, think about going to the grocery store at 2 a.m. or the store, convenience store. Right. right. And you're sick. You need NyQuil. You're going to pay probably twice as much for that NyQuil, but it fills the need. And so companies now are going closer to them. It may cost more, but it makes them a viable business to their customer. And so that's why you're seeing people are moving now more 
more local to themselves so that they still can compete globally. Excellent. And love the, the phrase globalization. And of course, this comes to us from our friends at Reuters. Now, Corinne, I got to point out at the top of the, the headline, we're talking about apparel and shoe wears. Reuters says it's the great reboot. I don't know <laughs> if they intended that or not. What's your, what's your take, Corinne? Uh, that was very clever, uh, very clever phrasing by our friends at, at Reuters. You know, um, the, the apparel and footwear industry was one of the first to go offshore. Um, so they have one of the most mature networks out there. Uh, and we actually saw the start of this um, redistribution, if you will, or moving out of China specifically in 2019, somewhat as a, a response to the trade wars that, that were going on at the time. I think COVID now has just accelerated that. And they are looking at partners, global partners, where they don't have to make a decision based off of low-cost providers. So Billy's point about being closer to your market, so critical, especially when we look at the port problems we're having. If they bring some of this back to the Caribbean basin, that opens up completely different trade routes and really mitigate some of the volume that's coming in on um, the West Coast and can accelerate that time to market or compress that time to market, which does some really interesting things for your planning process. Love that. Well said, Corinne. Uh, I'll share a couple of comments here. Mohib says on a previous segment, supplier liquidity, that should be in the APIC dictionary. Thanks to Corinne and the next normal. Uh, at least one person knew what I was talking about. Maybe, maybe Michael and Amanda. Mango was that skit on Saturday Night Live with Rock as a guest host. is one of the best skits ever. And, hey, Colleen either agrees with Michael about Mango, maybe, or about <laughs> Mohib with that term being in the Apex Dictionary. So, Colleen, let us know uh, what your take was there. And Michael also says, along these lines, we're talking about manufacturing production shifts. Uh, Washington Post had a great article Michael says, where they spoke with Sterling Construction CEO who builds a lot of industrial and distribution facilities, and he's seeing a huge increase in orders for structures across the southern border, which we'll see in the next six to 18 months for completion. Uh, all right. Thank you for sharing that, Michael. Um, anything else to add here on these manufacturing production shifts before we move to the next story, uh, Billy or Corinne? I, I like that point from Michael about increased um, construction or outfitting distribution centers. I think that that's a, a very important enablement, and that could be an early indicator of some of this redistribution that Billy mentioned. Excellent point. And you know what, Curtis, and Curtis, I think if I've got your name backwards, please let me know. Uh, he says North Africa slash Middle East or the European and the Balkans source of supply not only lessens the risk of Asian manufacturing issues, but also lessens the import risk of West Coast port delays. Product it. shipping in to East Coast or Eastern Canadian ports typically are handled a little quicker here recently. Good stuff there. Hey, Tom Raftery uh, is with us here. Hey, folks, he says, join a late apologies. Hope you're all having all a good Thanksgiving week if you celebrate that. Tom, thank you. And we continue to watch uh, your podcasts, plural. Keep doing big things there. Um, okay, so let's keep. Oh, you know what? Thank you, Curtis. It is Hugh. Hugh is his first name. Uh, I've been called worse, he says. So <laughs> thank you for your patience, uh, Hugh. I think I've got that right. 
Uh, and then finally, Mohib says, hey, no production shift is required for Turkey. It's true. They do not have to be stuck in expensive containers in L.A. port. Uh, he says, oh, I think he's quoting, he's quoting his grocery store 16-year-old bagging assistant as saying, quote, no supply chain issues there on Turkey. They are homegrown. Oh, 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 on the actual turkey product, not coming right. from turkey. Okay. Because I was going to say that <laughs> yes. turkey, the, the turkey apparel exports are somewhere in the range of about 20 billion with a B this year. So, right. Um, but it's good to hear that, um, that there are plenty of turkeys, poultry available for your, uh, for your Thanksgiving meals. <laughs> so I miss that too. So thank you, Corinne, for catching that. And thank you, Mohib. I love your sense of humor. Um, <laughs> The uh, but to, to one quick point, uh, Turkey. That's right, all time record for apparel manufacturing. To your great numbers, you you mentioned there, Corinne, which is really you know how many folks raise your hand if you think of Turkey in apparel, but they're they're blowing it out uh, based on, oh, yeah. on on these trends. And then on a lighter note, Billy and Corinne, and bringing it back to uh, Turkey and Thanksgiving, I, I've, I've learned over the weekend that bad supply chain planning back in the early fifties is what led to uh, the famous, iconic Swanson TV dinner. So evidently back in the early 50s, I think it was 53, uh, one of the bigger turkey companies had overestimated the demand on turkeys. I think they had an extra 230 million pounds of turkeys or something ridiculous like that, right? Well, their sales team got together and said, hey, we can create a new product. Let's get some specialized aluminum trays. Let's, let's go ahead and process the turkey, break it up. Let's throw some mashed potatoes and some, some gravy on there. Let's freeze it all. And let's see if folks buy these ready to, ready to bake meals. Well, we all know the rest of that story, right? Because that uh, that turkey frozen dinner and TV dinner, as it became known, ended up just being you know changing industry. Now we have aisles, several aisles are dedicated to frozen foods, right, in our uh, local grocery store. So hey, bad supply chain planning doesn't always lead to to uh, bad things, does it, Corinne and Billy? No, I mean, that's pretty genius. I wasn't aware that that's how the the Swanson, you know, hungry man meals were, were, uh, you know, designed. But I will tell you, I had a working mom. So I grew up on those TV dinners and we would wait 20 minutes or 30 minutes for those things to cook. <laughs> Not this instant, put it in the microwave that we've got available to us today. Well, Corinne, I thought you were going to say, Billy, I thought she was going to say we waited 20 or 30 minutes to let them cool down because there's been no shortage of scalded tongues with uh, as those things come out of the oven. But Billy, your quick take, um, whether it's turkey, apparel, or TV dinners, your quick take. Billy. Well, I was just thinking about the TV dinner. I didn't know that story, but I was one of the greatest beneficiaries of the of that dinner in college, right? So, I, <laughs> But, you know, it, it, when you look at him, some of the best, inventions and creations were, 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 were created like that right? out of the current condition, the current environment, the current need. And so that's exciting to hear uh, when you look at a lot of the greatest inventions, like the microwave itself, right? Those inventions came out of accidents right? yep. or, or current or necessity. So. Right. And, and you know, that to your point, and we talk about this a lot here, um, there's lots of silver linings like that, um, that, that's going to be born out of, have been born out, and will continue to be born out of the last couple of years of, of this of this despair and challenging sets of circumstances. So that's certainly some of the good news uh, surrounding global business. Um, okay, we're going to keep driving. Let me see what this third story is. So we're going to be talking about semiconductor chips, folks, a uh, story we've been talking about for quite some time. Now, 
this challenge we're having in meeting the uh, global semiconductor demand, well, it's going to continue to persist. So check out this quote. Now, this is from Wall Street Journal's logistics report, uh, I think from last week. Now, uh, this is excellent information. Uh, it hits your, your email inbox every morning at 7 a.m., other than, I think, Saturday and Sundays, perhaps. But if you hadn't signed up, and it's free as well. So check this out. Um, GM President Mark, I think it's Ross or Russ, one or the other, says semiconductor demand is going to more than double in the next few years. So what are companies doing about it, right? Because those new plants that we've heard about breaking ground, those aren't, those, those aren't coming online for years, right? So we have cherry-picked one uh, uh, partnership here. So according to CNBC, Ford Motor Company is forging a new partnership to help get by uh, where we are right now. So Ford's going to be working with global foundries to increase both short and long-term supplies of chips. Now, they say that the partnership could also lead to new chips designed specifically for Ford and more domestic production of chips for the automaker. So perhaps for its, you know, its market here in the U.S., we, you could make the chips here in the U.S., which is uh, you know, localization and, and localization of production that Corinne and Billy were speaking about earlier. I get this. Chuck Gray is a vice president with Ford. He was quoted as saying, we're working to reimagine our supply chains as it will really help us increase our independence. But it seems like all the, automatic, all the automakers are forging new and enhanced deals. General Motors, for example, is looking for similar advantages with Qualcomm and others. So Corinne, I'll start with you and your take here. What to expect as we see these fleets continue to pile up as they're waiting on chips? They are waiting on chips. There's there's automotive product everywhere in the world just waiting for chips, that one last uh, component to be installed. And, um, you know, it's in everything, right? It's, I, I don't know the number. I bet Tom Rafferty knows, but the average <laughs> automobile has multiple um, chips in it these days. Everything from your key that activates the automobile to many of the systems within uh, the automobile. What I love about this is it's really about two different things. One is, is the overall capacity in the network, which we know is constrained and is only going to increase further over time. But I also like this little twist about innovation and, um, and Ford thinking through some things that might give it a competitive advantage or a specific chip design that allows its automobiles to do something a little different or more efficiently in the future. So um, I love the fact that that uh, they are looking at ways of transforming the current capacity challenge into what may lead to a competitive advantage in the future. Yep. Corinne, uh, thank you so much. Billy? I really agree with Corinne when she talked about capacity and, and innovation, right? It's, uh, I know in business, it's, it's critical that you know your requirement versus your requirement and capability. And so you have to have your finger on the pulse to know where you're going. The innovation piece of it, right? It's the old cliche, Wayne Gretzky skating where the puck's going to be. And so Ford is getting out in front of that. And what they're doing, it goes back to what I've said, they're forging new relationships, all right, with, with different types of vendors. And they're bringing, not only they're asking the vendor to come and get a seat at the table, they're asking them to bring a table to the meeting, right? And so that's <laughs> a different way of thinking now. And, and what that means is, when people are coming in now, they're getting new innovative ideas that are going to help them grow. And another thing that they're doing, they are investing in these products with these companies. They may not have the resources and the capital 
to 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 innovate. Ford is helping them. They're investing in them. So they're building this relationship to diversify their, their supply because it's yep. a way of doing business. All right. So you can't don't just bring your voice to the next meeting. Bring your voice in a table, a as table. Billy Taylor mentioned. That's right. I love that. Um, and just wait. Three years from now, we're going to have more chips than we'll ever know what to do with. The Boyle Perfect's coming. Um, but, um, and I kind of said it tongue-in-cheek, everything's getting a chip these days beyond automotive. So we'll see. It would, The article um, uh, that we're referencing here in C, uh, CNBC, it was mentioned as saying that, that cars are simple, simply computers on four tires these days, which uh, has been the case for quite some time. Okay, I want to share a couple comments here. Let's see here. Uh, Hugh says, it will be curious to see what will happen to new vehicle pricing once the floodgate of supply occurs. That is an excellent point, Hugh. Corinne, Billy, any guesses? Well, I mean, we're, we're looking at um, some of the highest vehicle prices that we've ever seen, even on used vehicles, right? There's a shortage of used vehicles in the marketplace as well as new vehicles. So right. I, I talked to a guy just last week who waited almost a year to get one of the new Broncos, right? Can you imagine? We're talking about Ford Bronco, which is a really nice looking vehicle, by the way, but, right. but that he placed an order for a product that was originally, I think, going to take six months and it took over a year to, um, to come. Wow. Uh, Billy, you ever wait a year for a new car? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm um, not. I, but you know, uh, that Ford Bronco was, uh, I remember reading and reporting on the waiting list to your point, Corinne. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've waited on, I've waited for years on maybe a, a new nicer car, but I've never been on a waiting list for the latest and greatest. But Billy, what else comes to mind here when we talk about uh, pricing when this floodgate of supply occurs? Well, I, I think we're already seeing an increase just in everything we buy due to inflation. Uh, and that's not going to go in reverse, right? It may table off for a minute. So with saying that, I think the prices are going to go up. Yeah. Uh, people have been waiting. Right? And, and what you want, you're willing to pay for. Agreed. And companies know that, right? When you're in, Why are you in business? And so I think we're going to see, I don't know how massive it will be, but I think you'll see increases. Uh, and now you got to think of competition. Now, if you look at the uh, commercials or, or advertising, a lot of electrical vehicles are being introduced now. Uh, so right. The market is getting ready to start to change in itself. Uh, again, with that, I think prices are going to go up. You know, uh, good stuff there. We've all seen the empty lots, right? Empty lots. Uh, supply is just, well, empty in, in terms of ready to buy lots. Clearly, there's other lots where uh, vehicles minus the chips are being stored, but there's not a whole bunch of new inventory. But one thing that I've noticed, at least locally, is RV inventory is blowing up. They must be rolling. Not only are, are they evidently selling a lot of RVs, but there's less of a problem with supply. I'm, I'm assuming there's not as much technology maybe in these RVs. And so everyone wants to get away, right? And there's still restrictions on some of the ways you can get away. So that maybe must be fueling RV demand. Um, we've got one big dealership in our neck of the woods that is well known for its uh, truck and car inventory, but they've shifted as their lot has dwindled. Uh, here in the last uh, 12 months or so, and they've stood up or at least invested in this this burgeoning RV lot. So if they can't sell you a car, they're going to sell you an RV perhaps. Um, but hey, it's all about making 
pivots, right? Smart pivots that lead to more business uh, and and different. And um, what were we talking about? Starbucks, um, you know, building a, pr- a, a product portfolio. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's Monday. Um, Mohib says, hey, that's the production shift we like. Inshore sourcing or insourcing, maybe. Kudos to Ford for being a trend setter. Michael says, vertical integration is becoming popular again. Business truly works in cycles. Ask and ye shall receive. So Tom says, no idea how many chips are in modern automobiles. But Corinne, it would depend hugely on make and model. Uh, some are certainly more advanced than others, right? He says, but one thing for sure is that vehicles getting are getting smarter all the time. That number, whatever it is, is only going up. I'd say they're getting smarter, and they're also getting a lot more connected, right? Uh, for long, your vehicle is going to be able to get the right temperature before you even open the door, right? It's amazing. Uh, let's see here. Michael says, lots of write-downs and write-offs, write-offs on the balance sheets in the upcoming year. All right, maybe so. All right, so from here, hang on a sec. I got a comment here from Gene. So Scott, the uh, RV manufacturing has black uh, backlog as well, as as does personal watercraft. He says, "Well, hey, uh, I'd love to learn more, Gene. Um, uh, all I can tell, and and uh, it's not a a big streamline of data, is just one lot here in Walton <laughs> County, Georgia, and they are keeping that thing stocked and selling. So I'd love to hear your comments there, Gene. Thanks for joining us." Um, all right, so up next, uh, Corinne and Billy, we're going to shift over to um, a top 10 list, right? We love our lists around here, Billy and Corinne. So how about a top 10 list that offers up great ideas for how retailers can get this shockproof their supply chains? So Corinne, tell us more here. Well, I mean, shockproof, that got my attention right away. I mean, I love a good list, but if you tell me I can shockproof <laughs> my supply chain, you, right. You've got my undivided attention. What I really liked about this is there's a chart in this article that I want to encourage everybody to look at because, um, you know, the the premise is that retailers are working in a no-win environment. But I got to tell you, to be fair, in the last two weeks, Home Depot, Lowe's, Target, Walmart, and a number of other retailers have announced record earnings. Earnings, record earnings. So they wow. are pivoting, changing their models, and catering um, to customers uh, that are buying now. They're not waiting for the big sales. But th- there's one chart in this article. Um, you know, we can we can talk about all 10 of the um, of the strategies, but it focused on the ocean shipping industry and the fact that it has been consolidating. And uh, said that the top five companies in ocean shipping will control 80% of capacity by 2025, wow. 80%, right? So there's good things that could come out of that. And then there's some challenges <laughs> that will come out of that. But that consolidation doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get greater efficiency or better pricing, right? I'm I'm a capitalist. I like competition. I like innovation that comes through competition. Um, so that's the thing that really caught my attention when I saw that chart. Mine as well. Uh, Billy, any additional thoughts on your end? That consolidation, uh, Chris, that's a great point. Sometimes it works out for the consumer. Other times it doesn't. Billy, your take. No, I I, I remember being in industry and you're right, you know, you know, availability. When we looked at SKU product, 
skew slash product rationalization or product optimization. And so you know you should have a feel on what's big, what's not. Don't try to be everything to everybody. Don't try to create all these options for everybody. Look at what which one of your products or your SKUs that are really moving. And a lot what you're seeing in, 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 in the big box stores now, they're rationalizing. They're actually they're 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 putting those products, those high sellers out there, they're making them available because those are loyal products. People go to those products. And so I think that's big when you're talking about shockproofing. Right? There's certain things I really need, and I'm gonna make sure that those are available versus I'll do without something I want, right? It's mm. kind of like I, 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 I want a Bentley. I need a ride to work. Right? <laughs> so I'm going to focus on getting the, the ride to work. I love that. All right. Uh, I want to share a couple quick comments. And I'm going to share a couple comments around uh, this great article. And by the way, uh, big thanks to Amanda and Jada and Clay and the whole team for helping support production today. If we can drop a link to this article so folks can check out that graph, that'd be wonderful. Um, let's see here. Gary, and good morning, Gary. Great to have you here. He says semiconductor issues are also affecting the healthcare arena as well. Ventilators, defibrillators. Uh, I can't say that word today. The fibrillators. There you go. I think I've got. I think I got it. Uh, imaging machines. <laughs> Patients are so important. I'm with you, Gary. Uh, there's not much that uh, this chip shortage is not touching these days. Sylvia is inviting everybody to the Maritime Association of South Carolina. Christmas party. So y'all check that out. Sylvia, thanks for sharing. Well, Corinne, Billy, and I will have to all come crash your party. This here, and this may be uh, Colleen. If it's not, if y'all could drop in the, in the chat, shockproofing your supply chain. Such a great conversation this morning. I need to hop off though due to another commitment. Looking forward to the replay. You bet. Um, okay. I want to share. Um, so this is really a good read and it's tough to do uh, to touch on all the things that the article touches on in you know span of a few minutes, but I think it's interesting to see what some companies are doing to better win the talent war. That's, that's a big part of the the game here. As it points out, Amazon is upping the pay in, in some of its warehouses to eighteen dollars per hour, even though I know they're they're advertising uh, pretty relentlessly to fifteen dollars an hour. But in some of the warehouses, eighteen per hour, and Target is offering undergraduate degrees. For 340,000 workers. Holy cow. But what's also spoken to here is enhanced risk management. It's the name of the game. So, Corinne and Billy, last week we uh, featured Bill DiMartino, a senior executive with Risk Methods, who said, quote, It's not like risk management is a new idea. What has changed is that everyone is looking at more types of risk and looking at them for more entities. They need to expand everything at the same time, but they're not giving any more people or any more time to get that job done. That's the challenge many folks are faced with right now, end quote, as, as it comes to risk management. So, of course, that's leading to more and more of the um, digital transformation of the risk management aspect of global business. Corinne, you're nodding in agreement. Is that what you're seeing as well? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the digital transformation that's underway, the whole idea there is to replace that risky inventory with valuable information, right? So that we can accelerate the flow of goods or to Billy's point just a minute ago, reevaluate our portfolio and do a skew rationalization and cut the stuff that's costing us money and not making the margin that we anticipated, right? So take some of the noise out of the supply chain or out of our portfolio. You can do that 
with digital supply chain planning, right? So it's going to help you apply machine learning or artificial intelligence and identify those for you so that you and your teams can make better decisions. Excellent point. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, a year or so ago, we were talking about um, the Coca-Cola company, right? No one was, not many, not nearly as many people were drinking the organic coconut flavored caffeine-free Diet Coke. So they struck it to focus more on the products where the 80% is, right? Um, Billy, you're nodding your head. What would you add to that when we were talking about skew rationalization or risk management? Well, Ren hit, hit the nail on the head when she said eliminating the noise, right, out there. Because the noise, when you look at right now, it's really important to have connections, not collisions in the marketplace. And noise creates this here where you, people can't focus. You can't focus on the priorities of driving your business. And so when you look at the, when you're talking technology and, and, and the, right, the new digital digital transformation, this eliminates the noise, right? It's kind of like this, my iPhone, right? It eliminates a lot of noise now when I want to get somewhere. I want to find who I'm going to, it's it, technology gets me there quick. And that's what, what Corinne was essentially talking about. How do you eliminate that noise so you can make critical business decisions based on facts? Right. I like that, Billy. But I, I wish I could tell you that my iPhone eliminated noise. It just adds a lot more. I've had to put it on silent uh, when I want to get that extra hour sleep, meaning you know sleep till 6 a.m. These days, y'all can probably relate, right? Um, a lot of good stuff. Folks, we're referencing this 10-step uh, list you'll find uh, in McKinsey & Company. 10 steps retailers can take to shockproof their supply chains. Amanda and Jada and the gang have put the link to the uh, the article in the comments as well. Okay, we're going to move right along here. We're, we're going to finish right on time, Billy and Corinne. I, I was worried because I know we're, we were we started by talking about food, and we know that could have gone an hour. But uh, we hey, we're right on time, like the supply chain practitioners that we are. We're going to be talking about, uh, in particular, this new reality that we're, we've all really been alluding to throughout the hour. And there was a great piece, uh, Billy, in the Harvard Business Review, which is outstanding uh, resources, uh, HBR there, entitled Adapt Your Business to the New Reality. So, Billy, what stuck out to you from this read and in general about this new landscape? We're all uh, uh, this new uh, uh, game that and, and game board we're all working our way through. Well, it's the new reality of, of, of recruiting, developing and retaining talent. It's the new world we live in, and you know what? There's no going back. Uh, people may think that they're that we're going to revert back to the old way of leading. No, the science of leadership and managing and driving businesses have changed. Now companies have to change with that, right? And that's going to be important. So I, I was asked a question last week around how do you build culture in this new environment, right? And so your new operating style or or, or how do you create new touch points? How do you create this environment where people can live and work? Right. Think about when we grew up. I'm gonna. I'm not trying to age anyone, but you know, <laughs> my great parents, great grandparents, they worked right to uh, to live. They they lived to work. They got up on the farm. That's all they did. My parents worked to live. Right. They got a job. Send me to college. My kids work and live. There's social media. And if you look at what we've created or what's COVID created, all these new habits, these new habits to working from home, right? Working through, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to run an errand, come back home. I may work later in the day, but I'm working and living. 
And, right. and now, so when I say that, it's how do the companies adapt to these new changes in habits because that's going to dictate whether I'm going to come work for your company or not. Right. That's going to dictate whether I want to stay with your company or not. So companies are going to have to be really focused on their new business model around how do we adapt to the new way of, of working? Yeah. Uh, I love that perspective, Billy, uh, especially when you when you look at it from a generational shift standpoint. Uh, Corinne, what uh, what stuck out here to you? Yeah, so I, I think Billy is on point from the perspective of, you know, how do we create a corporate culture? Um, because it is, you know, that's what keeps people with a company for, you know, a decade or longer. And, and I think it's a real struggle. I don't think we've figured it out yet. Um, I, I like what um, what the article says about that flexibility and the impact on a number of things, it, on the impact from how you work, what kind of space you need to work in, like home designs will change over time to make sure that there is a, you know, an office, if you will, in the home so that there is a, a, a place for business to be conducted. Um, internet service, you know, and reliability into your home office. So there are a lot of changes to support these new habits. Um, and the other piece of it you know, that we keep coming back to is, you know, it's not just work related, right? So we have access to entertainment and big screen TVs, and that's fed through our internet ser service as well. And you have all of these entertainment subscriptions, right? New offerings, new innovations in the market. I don't know, Billy, Scott, have you guys been back to a movie theater yet? <laughs> not yet. No, Billy. No. I mean, that's shocking to me because I enjoy going, you know, to see the big screen. But the reality is the comfort of your couch, your big screen TV on demand when you want to watch it. I mean, it has really changed the way we think. And that same thing is happening about the way we engage from a work perspective. Agreed. I got I to get this comment in, though. Okay. We've also brought movie, theater, quality popcorn to the home. I don't know if y'all have gotten the in-home popcorn popper. It will change your life. <laughs> for law, for far too long, we were putting up with microwave burnt popcorn, right? Because that's how those things work. Man, I'm telling y'all. Uh, in fact, I got one from my folks uh, for the holidays. I hope they're not listening. I hope they're not um, listening today. So, <laughs> but hey, that, that's okay because good things are coming. But uh, Billy, respond if you would. Uh, you know, Corinne, Corinne's talking. Uh, um, there's so much that we do know that has changed, right? Which is one of the points Corinne's making. But the powerful comments she also made is there's so much in this in this um, this shift, this massive shift that we don't know yet. Billy, absolutely. And, and but think about it. You're right. Adapting your business to the new reality. Think about the 9/11. That terrorist right. attack, right? It yep. caused only a temporary decline in air travel. But what did it bring about? A lasting shift in societal attitudes about training, right? How do you right. go to security? The trade-off between privacy and security, right? And then, you know, now those changes are permanent. Right. When you go into the travel now, you know you're going to be going through a rigorous screening process. You know you're going to be going through surveillance. Even the dog may follow you around, right? <laughs> and, 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 and so – the trade-off now is, although COVID has brought away a different reality, 
but it's the reality now. And you right. can sit idly and, 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 and woe is me, or you can basically start to adapt to the new way of life. Yeah, got to lean into it. You got to lean into it or you're getting behind. Um, I'll share a couple comments, and then we'll share a couple of comments from the skyboxes. And then really quickly, I'm going to make sure, Billy, you and Corinne both share with us what's uh, what's to come on your respective series. So uh, the, this article that we're referencing, uh, let's, we'll pop it right back up here, is uh, it also included this quote from Microsoft CEO Sat- uh, Satya Nadella. I think I've got that right, Satya Nadella, um, who observed at the end of April, quote, we have seen two years worth of digital transformation in two months amongst their enterprise customers. Uh, now, we've heard that similar perspective from a, a slew of, of senior executives, including the chief customer experience officer at Walmart earlier this year at uh, Tom at an SAP event, who I think mentioned that they'd gone through um, five months of digital transformation in five weeks, I think is what they had said, uh, the Walmart team. Um, change is certainly coming faster and faster. And those organizations that can, uh, that can successfully increase their execution velocity are well positioned in this new reality and this new landscape. So a lot of good stuff there. Okay. Uh, I'm going to share T squared says companies let me pop this around. Companies should be flexible, but not expect their employees to, to be uh, amorphous amorphous. <laughs> I'm not sure where to put the, the uh, emphasis on which <laughs> syllable uh, <laughs> Billy and Corinne. That's a great point. T squared. We, as management uh, and leadership, we've got to be reasonable in, in what our work, you know, the expectations we put on the workforce and, as Tom points out, make sure we we keep what interests them front and center. Tom says people want to work for an organization they believe in. If you build a, pur- a purposeful culture, employees will want to work for you. Um, excellent point, uh, Tom. Let's see here. Mohib says, I don't miss getting ready and driving to work, but I am missing the osma- osmotic, nonverbal, high bandwidth communication in office environment. Yep. Today is, um, I tell you, I'm getting some curveballs with these uh, quarter 25 cent words that folks are using. I'm impressed, folks. I know we've got a smart audience, but man, they're all putting me through the rigor. Um, and Sidget, uh, hybrid work, what does it take? All right, so let's, this is a great question, and we, we're almost out of time. We'll make sure we get to your respective series. But what is one, in a nutshell, answer when it comes to solving that hybrid work equation what's one thing that you both would say leaders keep this in mind and billy what would your your take be on that make people visible and they'll make you valuable Mm. create those touch points where they get to talk about things that they own and their performances and so therefore you build recognition systems that keep them engaged Mm, i love that uh corinne I'm, I'm writing down Billy's right now. So make people <laughs> visible and make you. That, that's pretty good, Billy. I like that. Um, uh, I think that we actually need to plan collaboration days. I think collaboration happens better in a face to face environment that creativity, the body language, getting people to lean in and share their ideas. Um, and, and then your independent work days, if you will, or, or um, using Zoom or other, other um, methods from a meeting perspective. But I think brainstorming, problem solving, collaboration, those things happen exponentially better in a face-to-face environment. And it's a great team building exercise as well. So I, I think that, you know, as, as return to office policies evolve, 
Um, I, I think that, you know, some businesses will look at specific dates that like days of the week, if you will, like a, maybe a Tuesday through Thursday kind of thing or, or whatever makes sense for their business. Um, and you'll want your team to, to be planning around those days so that they can, you know, show up in person and uh, lean into the process as well. I love that. And a great question, Sajit. Thanks so much for joining us here today. I would just add, what does it take? It takes a lot. And at the top of the list, uh, we shared an article uh, a couple weeks ago on the Supply Chain Now feed on LinkedIn uh, entitled something like um, um, empathy is the number one um, uh, ingredient in modern day leadership or something to that effect. We had about 500 interactions um, you know, between comments and engagements just on, on the article with a lot of interesting takes. And a lot of folks were agreeing with it. And that, and I would just add to what Corinne and Billy shared, you know, as leaders, we've got to be empathetic in ways perhaps never before seen, especially when, Billy, to your point about things being visible, a lot of the challenges that our workforce is individual, common, unique, you name it, are getting, are, are fighting through are oftentimes very invisible to leaders and their managers. And we've got to take that into account uh, so that, that we put them not only in the best situation possible, but we're also putting them in a position to overcome these challenges that some cases are work-related, other cases are, you know, on the home on home front. Yeah, you so, know, it's really important because look, I love Korean using Korean point. I love FaceTiming my kids. Right. But as I started out, I there's no replacement for putting my eyes on them and putting my hands on them, that touch point. Yes, I agree with you. Uh some days more than others, uh Billy, as <laughs> our three are <laughs> Here, only kid, folks. Only kid. Love all my free kids. All right. So, hey, sense of humor, everybody. Um, I want to. We're really excited about uh, our growth here at Supply Chain. Now, you know the the shows we've rolled out uh, here in 2021. They've been very well received. Tech Talk is one of them. Woo-hoo! Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast. The hits keep on coming with Corinne Bursa, but. As, as uh, the best teams do, we never sit or, or don't do, we never sit on our laurels. And that's been really important, not only to um, help support, produce, and promote Tech Talk, but also see new shows uh, like The Winning Link, uh, hosted by Billy Taylor, coming to the fold and uh, offer a different, you know, different take uh, from different voices and, and different perspectives, which is so important. So, I'm, if you can't tell, I'm pretty excited about uh, where we are this year and what's in store. So, Corinne, I want to start with you. Um, and I wish we had an hour dedicated to this, but what should folks expect from Tech Talk and what's next? Uh, there's there's lots of interesting um, episodes that are, are in process right now. But um, one of them that I think everybody will find interesting is going to focus in on how do you market your supply chain success inside your company? Right. How do you help them appreciate how all the different roles and responsibilities come together? Uh, Because I think that's going to help folks get momentum in um, 2022 as they continue their transformation initiatives. Um, And then we've got several topics on visibility as a mandate. Collaboration is coming up with um, with a webinar with um, our folks at TransPlace as well. So um, a lot of these big top line themes uh, that are really pointing to digital transformation um, and momentum continuing to roll forward in 2022. I love that. Uh, helping companies 
execute at the velocity that's required, uh, digital and otherwise, here uh, in 2022 coming up. So, and really quick, Corinne, how can folks connect with you? Well, LinkedIn is probably the best way um, to to connect with me. Drop me a, a message there, or you know, let me know a topic you'd like us like us to explore on Tech Talk as well. Would love to hear your thoughts. Love that. Uh, a lot more to come, Corinne Bursa. All right, Billy Taylor. Uh, I, I was going to say newbie, but you're anything but a newbie. You're just new to supply chain now, or maybe we're new to you. You know, you you are uh, a keynote, uh, a consultant, a leader. Uh, an entrepreneur, all in demand. Uh, and we're excited about having the winning link uh, launched here with Supply Chain Now in January. So tell us what can folks expect? Uh, the winning link is going to be a really engaging uh, podcast around leadership and not only about processes, but how to engage people and build cultures. So my one of my first guests would be Drew Joyce the third. He's the high school basketball coach of LeBron James, author of the book uh, Beyond Championships. Uh, Drew is a personal friend of mine. We're going to be at his gym and he's going to talk about, you know, like companies focus on championships as, as EBIT and things of that nature. And Drew talks about beyond that, what are the KPAs that mm. drive the KPIs? How do you do things that are going to get that results and sustain them? And then we're going to have a group of high school kids. So when I worked for, with Goodyear, every year we had a capstone process where we brought in 10 high school students. And at the end of two weeks, we let them run our business. So the segment is this business is so simple, a high schooler can run it. So those those actual students are now college graduates and they're going to tell their stories around business. And, uh, you know, one of the young ladies leads one of the largest firms now. And um, and we just talked about how do you shift culture? And so that's I'm looking forward to it. I think the guests are looking forward to it. And so coming soon and and, and it, the, the title comes from a book. My book will be out, and it's, it's kind of like you can't see it. It's all the winning link. So I love it. My draft. Nice. And so we're working on that right now. So oh gosh, looking. I gotta get a book. I need a book. <laughs> I need a book. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's there. It's just waiting to be written, Corinne. As uh, uh, Mohib and many others have pointed out, uh, you, you've been dropping lots of goodness just here in the last hour. So it's just waiting for you to write it. But uh, Billy. Excited about your new series, excited about your new book. And the book, roughly, I know we don't have a publication date yet, but um, uh, roughly, when can it, when, when do you think the book will be available? I think it'll be out between April and August of 2022. So we're finishing the manuscript on, and it's, it's pretty nice. Wonderful. And I, I love the the, the um, unique take that your series is going to take, you know, different than a lot of other uh, shows here, which is, is the name of the game, right? I love the... Um, the high school angle. We can learn so much from the folks coming up through uh, the ranks now for sure. Okay. And how can folks connect with you, Billy? LinkedIn is the best way to catch me. Uh, I'm on all social media platforms, but I personally answer all of my LinkedIn uh, emails and messages personally. And so it, it may not be that day, but within two days or so, I get back with the person. So connect with me. Awesome. We sure will. Hey, folks, connect with Corinne Bursa. Connect with Billy Taylor. Uh, you, you, uh, Tech Talk is already in production. You can find Tech Talk wherever you get your podcast from. Be sure to go and subscribe so you don't miss a single thing. And look for the winning link, which the podcast will be launching in January right here uh, as part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming. So really excited. Uh, really, I'm grateful for uh, today's conversation with these two intriguing individuals. 
really enjoyed uh, our conversation. Thanks to everyone that showed up. I think we got to a lot of the comments, but there's some others out there, some really good ones we'll try to get to maybe uh, in between shows. But uh, big thanks to Corinne Bursa with Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast. Big thanks to Billy Taylor, the Winning Link Podcast book coming. Hey, folks, I uh, hope wherever you, you're, you're listening to us here, whether it's live or in a replay, hope you have a wonderful holiday season, whatever holidays that those mean to you and your family. Uh, but we have we do have a lot to be grateful for, even on the most challenging of days. On behalf of our big team here, big thanks to Amanda and Jada. But on behalf of our entire team, Scott Luton signing off for now, challenging you, do what we strive for every day. Do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. On that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.